So cultivating these skills of attention. Attention is a <coughs> conditioned factor of the mind, it's that uh, which creates a focus. <coughs> It's a focus on something. So, you know, fo- so a focus is conditioned by interest or interested in or motivated towards. So, it, things are born out of interest and arise with attention. You know, kind of things come into focus with attention. So, you know, what's our interest? Chanda. Motivation, interest, well, mingled, isn't it? You know, generally there's a kind of strong motivation towards what's comfortable, pleasant, agreeable, easy, <laughs> naturally enough. And then uh, the whole process is trying to re educate this reflex to, so that, yeah, what's comfortable isn't always what's immediately most comfortable, you know. It takes a little bit of understanding to recognize true comfort isn't just about leaning on things, but it's about finding your own resource of uh, energy independent of things. So the big shift is a a tension that's grabbed by sights, sounds, thoughts, emotions, and a tension that's held through motive dhamma chanda, interest or motivation towards Dhamma. Dhamma, you know, which just means a thing, literally, can be interpreted as, you know, the thing, the balance, the order, the truth, you know, thing with a capital T, something, you know, real. um, Something that's primary, Order, order and balance are quite a nice way to look at it because then it's not a particular object but a particular poise someone who's living in the Dhamma is not living with a particular theory yeah. or a particular notion but living with a sense of the poise, balance, non-attachment which gives gives the mind uh, freedom, and yet it's not it's and yet stillness. It's a balanced sense. So we are, in a way, motivated towards that because that's where we feel comfortable in ourselves, without resting on things, leaning on things, grabbing at things, pushing things away, fighting for things, claiming things. There's a lot of stuff out there to claim or lock onto, particularly mental stuff, isn't there? Notions, expectations, ideas of oneself, ideas of others. The Buddha said the teaching of the Dhamma is like a raft. You know, you, so the teachings take you across. You're not to 
supposed to hold them on your head, carrying them around when you get to the other shore. Until you got to the other shore, yes, then you do. So you've got that sense of giving due attention, appropriate attention to the teachings, to the practices, to take you across. And what do you need? How much do you need? Raft is a nice uh, symbol because it's very simple. It's not an ocean liner or a galleon. It's kind of quite a simple thing. Training attention. The attention either gets hooked on this, that or the other, or there can be the feeling we've got to accumulate a whole lot of stuff to keep holding. There's a saying in the in the connected discourses that uh, whatever, just as all the streams and rivers converge in the great ocean, then whatever states associated with wisdom, they meet and converge in mindfulness of the body. Um, those who touch the deathless, touched mindfulness in the body. So this is a kind of a, a good collecting point for our attention, wise attention, appropriate attention, mindfulness based in the body. Meditation is very much a embodied thing. We sit, walk, stand, recline, the four postures. You know, and just filling filling the attention up with that. By itself, that tends to, you know, if you fill your attention with one thing, because attention is a condition, not an infinite thing, what you fill your attention with, it tends to push out or drop off other things. So... The mental constructions, future, past, self, other. Body doesn't know that. Should be, could be, ought to be, will be, won't be. Never, always. Body doesn't know that. These mental con- mental complexities, mental proliferations, mental constructions can be dissolved being relinquished, mindfulness of the body. We have to fill the body with attention, or fill your attention with the body. Is why the inclination towards calm has to be uh, measured or moderated against the most fundamental inclination, which is or direction, which is to be attentive, appamado, to be vigilant, mindful, to be bearing things in mind, fully aware, alert, sampajanya, tapo, ardent. These are the. These are the themes, these are the watchwords for it, for the process of meditation, process of an aware life. Whereas inclination towards calm, although it has uh, truth in it, 
you know, is a sort of secondary thing. As we do, we do find a sense of that which inclines towards rest. But it's a rest that's like comes through balance. Like when you're really balanced, you feel a sense of rest. That's not. That's very bright. Standing on your head can be quite restful. You know, but it's bright. Poise is bright. Whereas inclination towards calm can get corrupted with a kind of, you know, inattention, dullness. A reflex we have. <clears throat> Two, because the mind is basically about trying to forget things. Attention is a limited factor, so means when we attend to some things, we push, other, we shut other things out. That's happening all the time. Attention is a conditioned thing. So obviously, when there's, you know, dukkha, suffering, that's something we don't want to be attentive to. Want to not see that. Not we notice that. Painful, just uncomfortable. You know, seemingly endless, unresolved complexities. Oh, I don't want to be that. Mm. But the skill of attention, although that's a natural enough reflex, is not to just be a reflex, but to be wise, or yonisor manasikara, wise, wise attention, or attention that penetrates to the source of things, to the heart's systematic, thorough attention. So we pay attention to the body, there is the painfulness of it. There is the disorderliness of it, the imbalances of it, the tight patches and the twitchy patches and the numb bits and the sagging bits and the hurt bits. So, you know, why, why is that going to make us comfortable? Well, it will if you practice Mindfulness is bearing these things in mind. There's another quality that's present called a, a full awareness, sampajanya. And it's to do with the awareness fa- faculty of the mind. So when we talk about citta, sometimes it means awareness. Sometimes it means something more like intentionality or a directive sense. But basically, whatever we, whatever we attend to, or even we don't attend there's still some fundamental sensitivity or receiving. So awareness is more like the receptive aspect. Attention is the directive aspect. But awareness has, uh, has intelligence in it. And kind of it's, it's sensitive, it tends to contract, radiate, flood. It can tighten up. So when we practice with attention, you bring your attention onto the body and you start to widen and soften the awareness. So you should become more aware in a, in a calm way, in a bright way, in a soothing way, almost as if you're massaging something. And it's this quality of awareness that is restorative in itself. 
it's a balancing in itself. It's like when you, you know, when you stand up, something you know is whether you're upright or not. You don't have to deliberately focus. You know, you you notice that unless you're drunk or something. <laughs> but if your mind is average, your body's going to notice whether you feel balanced or not. You walk on something, whether you feel you're going to fall over or not, because awareness is there without, you know, a deliberate attention. It's, it's a natural faculty of our mind, just to be aware. We can, but we don't always listen to it. The body does, but the mind doesn't, because the mind is so active, so much about the doing, the focusing, the making things happen, the adding, conjecturing, computing, that the receptive, you know, it's a bit of a waste of time really, hanging around. But in the bodily sense, awareness is something that is much more apparent when you sit still, because the body's not doing anything. It knows how to stop. You're aware the balance of the body. What's happening? Even if you're not very attentive. Main thing is to perhaps to keep undoing attention from unskillful things, either deliberately um, corrupting or just waste of time, pointless, not going anywhere. You keep undoing that, your attention will tend to return to the body. The body has it by itself. Unless it's dead. It's it's why the mindfulness of the body is so helpful because with no particular effort, it's already there's already awareness of that. If you don't keep overriding it. And maybe one of the things that is so natural for us to do is to keep overriding that bodily awareness because it's not it doesn't seem very important. More interesting things uh, brilliant things, you know, which true ideas, skillful, brilliant, inspiring body, just sort of sitting here, lump of meat. The awareness in the body has a restorative effect. It's much more than just um, soothing out pains and and aches. It also works on the nervous energy the imbalances of the nervous system. So with a hyper state, overactivated, or hypo, underactivated, sluggish, dull, can't get going, or imbalanced, which is pretty much normal. That is, we may be very, have a lot of acute sensations in the head and the shoulders, the neck, nothing much happening in the lower back, because it's not particularly target area. You know, use your lower back for anything. So all the, you know, the natural uh, attention goes around the face, the head, and the arms, because these are the things that the doing bits, and maybe the chest, which is where you're going to meet things. Lower back looks after itself. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, when we meditate, lower back is actually one of the most important bits, because that's what holds you upright. 
where you can see mostly that very common for meditators is you lose that because attention doesn't go there by itself. So we sort of fold over because everything tends to come up into the upper body, particularly the head. So you get a sense of meditating from the head. Really, it's better to meditate from the back. <laughs> At least as a foundation, get that established. Drawing it to the lower back. Because this is what governs the posture of the body, and this is where the, uh, you know, if that posture is bright and open, it tends to um, allow awareness to fully fill the body, attention to be there and for these energies in the body to, to find their own balance and the muscles of the body to rest because a lot of it's neck, shoulders, upper arms, chest, face, throat. So we're top heavy. And all the reflexes, so when we recognize the body as a nervous system and the reflexes that we mostly use are about speaking, seeing, moving the head around, meeting people, doing things and being on guard, you know, which is all about on guard is the front of the body, isn't it? You know, bunched up. All the sense organs are studied over the head, so it's the face, the eyes, the mouth, all that. You've got a lot of stuff coming up here. And those are receptors, reflexes, both receptive and active, to do, to see, to get, to have, to make, you know, to hold. And those are the reflexes that we are quietening. Quietening down. So you want to almost like drain your energy from these overactive places draining it down into the body and you get a much more firm foundation for for sitting. Of course, sitting itself is not some end itself, but it is um, a place where we can start to balance the whole body so it's not top-heavy. And uh, then your awareness picks up that sense of an even, even energy, steady energy. And particularly for mindfulness of breathing, you only be able to sense what's happening in the lower body as you breathe. This is where your breath center is, in the abdomen. So you breathe from the abdomen, not from the chest. Keep the chest relaxed. Go down into the belly beneath the diaphragm. You know, picking picking up the sign of the swelling that begins there, and the flow of energy that comes with the swelling of the abdomen. Keeping the upper body quite passive and open, the throat, opening the throat, resting the root of the tongue in the back, in the mouth, opening the shoulders, opening the chest, just letting it be like a great empty tube or an empty channel with his belly sucking air through it, pushing it out. This is calming, but also brightening because you're you're attentive there. There's attention there. It's not gone fuzzy. And mindfulness of breathing is, if it skillfully, there's a skill in that, and then it brings around a harmony 
bodily harmony rest, restores and balances the body energies and with that it balances and calms the mental, emotional energies the twitchiness or the closeness or the defensiveness jumpiness So in addressing the body, we're also addressing the mind, or the heart, the reflexes. Of course, breathing, the regularity of it, it should be unforced, full, smooth, flowing. So there's a skill in that. But we begin with the, the body, the posture, because a lot of the uh, problems around mindfulness of breathing occur because the body isn't really open. It's kind of, it's not all there. It can be highly constricted. So attention, we direct attention and then receiving with awareness. What's that feel like? The um, vitaka vichara, pointing, directing attention. Vichara, receiving things, feeling it out. Attention and awareness. At that level. So I think it's always useful certainly to begin a retreat or to begin a practice or perhaps to begin every sitting with that checking through the body, and particularly the spinal axis from the base of the spine, the sacrum, the lumbar region. And this is mostly a sense of the spine rising like a stem of a plant coming out from the pelvis, so a sense of the rising up. So the lower spine is tucked in. There's a curve there, a concave. This means that a certain spring gets created because you've got a curve, then the spine becomes springy. And therefore the, the, the spring will support the upper body. So the spine is not supposed to be a rod, but a spring. It's, a, it's an S-bend. And the lower curve of the, of the spine acts as a spring that transmits or transfers the weight of the body, the upper body down into the ground through the pelvis. So therefore it can be quite balanced and effortless. The muscles can relax. You just hold the spring. Keep that going. So a lot of it is just in this lower, lower area. It also holds the abdomen open. If your abdomen is open, then your breathing gets deeper. Breathing gets deeper calm and energy is established you come to the middle of the back bring your attention up through the from the diaphragm on up this can be an area that's got 
seems quite numb or nothing happening in it. Place where you start to curve over. So you keep the middle of the back pulled in towards the towards the heart. And around the chest, this barrel of the chest, particularly um, what we don't necessarily always notice is is, is the, the circularity as we get the sense of the body being upright, the circularity. So letting the arms come slightly away from the body, you feel the roundness, the barrel of the chest, letting it widen. So in a way, your, your inclination has to be both is rising up and then widening, widening around the chest. Not because you're trying to... But you're, there are unconscious uh, reflexes whereby we're cramped. Yeah. Particularly uh, with impact, with contact impressions, the body tends to slightly contract or cramp. You know, you're doing things, you tend to tighten up. So here you want to loosen up, so get the this rib cage to the muscles, the intercostal muscles around the ribs can open, can cause that opening. So just, but you don't, it's more or less just focusing on and bringing to mind the whole roundness of the of the chest region and it's sitting on top of the this spring then your breathing will be much deeper fuller slower because you're widening the chest cavity it means it's got a bigger space to open to move through so it takes longer and you want the breath to get longer and longer and longer slower and slower that will calm, calm it, calm the mind down. And then we come to the region from the uh, upper back. Say, from the shoulder blades on up to the neck. You have a lot of. Uh, you can have a lot of tension there, because this is where the pulling of the neck muscles, the head. The arms and tends to hunch in the upper upper back, hunching over, so it can be quite contracted, shell shell like even. So bring your attention there, widening, lifting up through the neck into the occiput, which is the place where the skull and the spine meet. And you can kind of trace these places. Again, the place where the skull and the spine meet the occiput can be quite closed, as if our head is screwed onto our shoulders. You know, happens through uh, talking, speech, active speech tends to contract the head, contracts, tightens up in the occiput. So this place here, right in the top of the neck, is focusing there. And then relaxing your temples, as if you have the, the muscles around the head, softening, relaxing those, and relaxing the back of the tongue. This helps the occiput to open up. You can also find that the spine has a, a harmonic to it, which means that the lower spine and the upper spine mirror each other. 
So sometimes you've got a lot of energy or activity or heat, say even in the in the upper spine, then you focus on the lower and it balances it. So the case is that sometimes areas that have seem to have a lot of tightness in them, it's not a matter of going into them and trying to work something out, but of finding a place which provides balance. And this can be, you know, from the upper to the lower or from one side to the other. So if you feel a lot in your right side, then maybe just focusing on your left side. Because where attention and awareness gather, therefore energy gathers. So if you gather energy, energy will gather by itself wherever you place attention. And the energy will then be... Uh, have a quality that helps to bring around balance. It's a good thing to recognize because quite a lot of the time the things that are painful for us, we we, attend, we give them attention. You go into them and that can activate them, give them more juice. Without ignoring them to find some way of, of lessening the intensity or a physical sensation, or a, or a psychological impulse of some kind, you're going to somewhere, somewhere else where you can regard that from some distance. So, you, so sim- very simply speaking, in the body, when the right side feels too big or too heavy, focusing on the left. And then widening your focus to include the right, so the energy will tend to move gradually. It's a draining process. This is a process that takes time, steadily holding. And you can focus your attention from the specific points to the whole picture, the whole picture of the body, checking out where does it feel dead or overcharged, where is is more specific attention needed, where is the, what kind of awareness do we bring to that, Fundamentally, the quality of awareness is receptive, it's spacious, it's non-obstructive, non-intrusive. So it feels kindly, but it's not even particularly kindly, it's just not demanding or pushing. It's open and spacious. We bring that to bear, this acts as the, this allows things to find their balance. When your body feels balanced, your mind will sit comfortably within that if your body's not in balance the mind will always slip out because it's got nowhere to sit it will slip out into sleep it will slip out into dreams it will slip out into grudges it will slip out into obsessions because it hasn't got anywhere to sit so when we stand, walk or sit physically you're providing a, a place suitable place for the mind to Settle down. This is a skill of attention.